hey, I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. One, two, ten. <laughs> Keep the change, your greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Home Alone. Christmas and happy holidays, everybody. Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the podcast in which I, your co-host Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host Derek Smith. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, ever. And we're going to help decide which one is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing excellent. How about you? I'm doing Great, and I'll tell you why, because today we're talking about one of my childhood favorites. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about uh, last week here. Last week, we had your wife, Gia, on the show, and we took a deep dive into the cult classic Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I, I think it was, I had a lot of fun doing that episode. I think it's one of our most fun ones. So yeah, check, agreed. Yeah, check that one out. Go back and watch it. Yeah, listen to any of our uh, our previous episodes because there's a lot of great stuff there. You don't need to listen to them in order. If you see a movie you like, go check it out. So, uh, and by the way, look us up on social media because we're uh, we want to have some fun on there and we want to talk to our uh, our listeners here. We are on Facebook at the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast at Great Movie Cast on Twitter, and you can always shoot us an email. We may read it on the air if we get a good one, and that's at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And, of course, if you like what you hear, as our old friend Bruce said, tell your friends about us. But moving yes. on to today's episode, we are starting our back-to-back Christmas doubleheader with, uh, with a modern classic, at least I would think so, Home Alone. And Home Alone, it is... A 1990 holiday family comedy. It stars Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister, Joe Pesci as Harry Lime, Daniel Stern as Marv Merchants, and Catherine O'Hara as Kate McAllister. It's got a 7.6 on the Internet Movie Database, 65% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 63 on Metacritic. So, Derek, I know this is probably impossible to remember, at least it is for me. When did you first see Home Alone? I actually, uh, I actually know this. You do? Okay. Um, I do. Yeah. It was one of the first movies I had seen in the movie theater. It may have been the first. Um, I remember being there with my mom and my cousin, Joey, who has now passed. But he, I remember specifically a couple years younger than me, we were watching the movie and I remember uh, his eyes were closed the entire time. He had his hands covering his eyes. He was so petrified of this movie. <laughs> and I remember at the, end, at the very end, it was like the spider on Marv's face. He just absolutely freaked out. And then after the movie ended, he was like, my mom was like, well, what did you guys think? And he was like, I loved it. It was the best. And I'm like, you didn't see one frame of that movie. 
<laughs> Three-year-old <laughs> Derek is like, you could not appreciate right. the mise-en-scene of Home Alone. Yeah, I was definitely like, I think I was maybe like, I could, it, the movie must have stayed in the theaters a little bit longer because I think I was like maybe six, maybe five or six at that point. But I remember seeing the spider on the face at the movie theater. I could, I could picture that perfectly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would have been two years old when this movie came out. I have no conscious memory of seeing it for the first time, but I saw it so much. You know, this is another, you know, somehow the VHS was somewhere, probably my house, a grandparent's house or something like that, or, you know, an uncle's house, something like that, an aunt's house. And it was just every Christmas, as long as I can remember, this has been around. And I feel like it is for, for our generation, maybe the, the biggest Christmas movie, at least recently. I mean, what's, I mean, up until Elf, really. I think yeah, they're... I'd say that. I don't think. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. I was thinking, I was thinking Elf too, but yeah. Other than that, I can't think of any things that have like broken the you know been a huge blockbuster for Christmas. Yeah, for I mean Nightmare Before Christmas, but that was sort of not right away. That was lingered on and became bigger later. This right. one was, was huge right away. You get it's written by John Hughes, who is coming out of the '80s, which he just dominated, and you know it, it, he he made a movie that's sort of about kids instead of or a kid instead of a group of teenagers, so. Interesting. Directed by Chris Columbus, who would go on to uh, direct, I believe, the first two Harry Potter movies, yeah. at least the first one. But yeah, it's it's uh, quite. Uh, I mean, they got John Williams to score it, so you know, just a lot going on here. And yeah, you know, Catherine O'Hara. Speaking of uh, of Christmas movies, kind of dominated Christmas for for the '90s with uh, with this and Nightmare Before Christmas. So right. uh, good for her. Will she come up later? Maybe we'll see. Now we get to the point in the show where we're going to explain actually what happens in the movie. For some crazy reason, you are listening to a podcast and have not seen Home Alone. Boggles the mind. But while we strongly do suggest that you watch along with us, if you can, the movie is streaming on Disney Plus, so check it out. We want to make sure that you're caught up. So Derek, I'm going to ask you to put 30 seconds on the clock for me while I describe the events of Home Alone. Count me down in three, two, one. Three, two, one, go. A family accidentally leaves their young son Kevin behind when they vacation to France for Christmas. Kevin, at first happy to be on his own, finds himself missing his family as his difficulties pile up. Two criminals calling himself the Wet Bandits attempt to rob the house. Kevin uses traps and contraptions to fight them off with an assist from a formerly feared neighbor. Kevin's family returns impressed with how Kevin managed the ordeal. Time, 22 seconds. Oh. So it's easy. It's not a super complex movie, <laughs> right? but it is lots of fun. I think that gives you a pretty good overview of what happens. It is an extremely funny movie. Really recommend you check it out. Uh, not that Home Alone needs me to advertise for it. Yeah, now that we have a pretty good overview of what happens in Home Alone, let's talk about what we like and what we don't like about it. So let's start with the positives, and we're going to go over our three favorite scenes. So Derek, what's your third favorite scene in Home Alone? All right, my third favorite scene is a scene where Kevin is decorating the Christmas tree that he had cut down himself. And Harry, one of the criminals, uh, is peeking through the window and sees that Kevin is in fact there, or at least, you know, he lives there. And Kevin makes the wise decision to say, hey dad, can you come here and help me? Because he sees the reflection on, on one of the, the ornaments and sees him behind him in the window. And Harry knows better and he knows he's home alone. And I just thought it was very clever of Kevin to have, have thought of that because when I was a when I was a kid, 
I used to think that like if somebody broke in the house and if I was by myself, I would yell out to it. to my, to whoever to be like, hey, hey, dad, get the gun, even though there's nobody here. Uh, I thought of that stuff too, so I just thought it was really clever of him to do that. So yeah. that's definitely an interesting scene. I mean, to be honest, if I saw Joe Pesci like peeking in my window today <laughs> as a thirty-plus-year-old man, I'd, I'd shit myself. So right, right. <laughs> good on Kevin. This this might be a good time to tell you my my head about this. So. Macaulay Culkin's real-life aunt is Bonnie Bedelia. If you know that name, it's because she was an actress who had a lot of great roles in the 80s and, and 90s. And her probably most well-known role is she played John McClane's wife in Die Hard. Okay. So my, uh, my headcanon is that Kevin McAllister's uncle is John McClane and that, and that he's learned from his his uncle how to just how to destroy uh criminals right okay so i actually went in, in kind of a different uh direction for my my third favorite scene uh it is the scene actually where old man marley and kevin talk in the church mm, and it's really one of the few like very quiet moments and it's not it's not a comedic scene necessarily but it really gives the movie heart. And I think this movie doesn't get enough credit from the people who don't like it for having a lot of heart. Marley is a man who Kevin's scumbag older brother, Buzz, has sort of scared him into believing that he's a murderer. I don't know if Buzz actually believes it, but he, he does seem pretty the freaked out. The South Bend shovel, shovel the, slayer? Yeah, right. Him and, and no, unfortunately, it was not Big Pete, Michael Morona, but uh, the... But yeah, him and another, I think maybe their cousin, have, he's just like the, the neighborhood boogeyman. But he sits and he talks with Kevin. I, I also secretly think Marley is like watching out for Kevin the whole time. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it would not surprise me if like, just off camera, the, the cop talked to Marley and was like, Officer Balzac, by the way, did you catch that? Sergeant Balzac, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Sergeant Balzac, check it out. It wouldn't surprise me if the cop that uh, Sergeant Balzac sent over there actually like talked to Marley and he was like, hey, don't worry, I'm going to keep an eye on this kid, make sure he doesn't get in too much trouble. They talk in the church and Marley had been estranged from his son and uh, he's explaining this to to Kevin, an eight-year-old boy, which is kind of weird. But but. Yeah, they, they, they talk and they kind of come to a, an understanding. And then Marley later on eventually bails Kevin out. Uh, so what's your, what's your number two? My number two is basically the opening sequence of the movie where everyone is just scatterbrained trying to pack. And Joe Pesci is disguised as a cop. And he's just like looking around. I just think the only thing I keep saying is out loud is, why is there a cop in the house? And why doesn't anybody care? This random guy Nobody. is standing in their hallway. And I love all the different interactions he has with the little kids, uh, a young Kieran Culkin. I'm a big fan of Kieran Culkin now. But, you know, uh, uh, Uncle, Uncle Frank just grabbing the pizzas and walking away. Oh, it's my brother's house right there. Pizza guy standing around now. What, what do I do? This cop and pizza guy just standing there. And I love when Joe Pesci smiles at Kevin and he has that gold tooth. I just think it's the whole scene is great. The continuation where they're eating pizza and Kevin makes a rocket says no cheese pizza. I just love the whole thing. It's such a great scene all the way through. Are your parents home? <laughs> Do they live yeah. here? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Right. Yeah, so probably 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 fancy orphanage. Yep. <laughs> great hilarious scene. Pesci kills it. Everyone's great 
in that scene. I love it. It really establishes just how chaotic that scene is. And they do do a pretty good job of like, how could this happen? Well, there's a thousand people in the house and, and nobody knows right. exactly what's going on. Uh, my number two is the scene where Kevin, while home alone, orders a pizza. And he scares the hell out of the pizza guy from Little Nero's. This uh, poor pizza guy. <laughs> he didn't do anything to deserve that whatsoever. Right. Other than like kind of be upset about a small tip. And if, right. you, if you look at that scene that you were just talking about, he's expecting a huge tip because he gets that, like he says to Kevin's father, like, hey man, nice tip. Right. Like really genuinely happy. So he's expecting like a huge payout and he gets like, right. no, he gets like a 30 cent tip. And, right. <laughs> and Kevin uses the audio from this movie that he watched is called angels with filthy souls, which unfortunately is not a real movie. I've looked. Unfortunately. Yeah. But he, he matches up the audio to scare the hell out of this pizza guy and lights off firecrackers. I think. By the way, this kid, Kevin, I, like you said, the conspiracy theory could be he's the nephew of Don McLean. If he's not, he's the most clever child on the planet. He was yeah. able to time the movie perfectly. On VHS. On VHS, and you know what I mean? And that's just the beginning of Kevin. What an There's audio system. What an audio system in 1990. <laughs> well, to, we like, know his has got the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, to not only, not only scare a pizza guy, like a teenager, but also scares marv and convinces him that someone was killed right it, it's yeah yep. good good for kevin but i i always laugh at that scene and uh i mean listen i think maybe i could be wrong because you've surprised me before but i think number one is kind of academic here yeah and, and you know we we have we maybe should i don't know if this should be rules about what's considered a scene or not but this is a big run-on of, of all the traps at the end. I mean, yeah, you it's the, it's you the can't not scene. talk about that. Yeah, it's just, it's from beginning to end, it's just so much fun. What's going to happen to each one? The most memorable part for me, I think, is uh, besides the spider on the face, is uh, probably when Harry uh, walks to the door and the blowtorch takes his, almost takes his scalp off uh, and then just runs outside and shoves his head in the snow. Uh, just classic. There's so many good parts to this. And like I said, the reason why Kevin is the most clever child in the planet yeah. He even I was watching it with Gia, my wife, and she's like, he he like goes to the supermarket, he gets all these groceries, he's he's making he's making dinner, and then all of a sudden he just pulls out this big poster, like, okay, traps for the bad guys. Like, when did he have time to figure this out? Considering I'm pretty sure that the two burglars uh, earlier that day were like, we'll come back later tonight. So Kevin that day had to put that all together. Yeah. So, Good on Kevin, but uh, the traps, the trap scene's amazing when they're trying to rob the house. And I think I heard that like when Joe Pesci and uh, Daniel Stern's characters, Harry Marv, they hang Harry on the door of the other house. Apparently Joe Pesci actually bit one of Macaulay Culkin's fingers and he had to get stitches. No, oh, no. So uh, Pesci method actor, just taking yeah, it out he, on he's Culkin. Like, he's like, listen, Macaulay, listen, listen, you might lose a couple fingers Listen, here. Mac. <laughs> uh, yeah apparently it's a fam famous story that pesci couldn't stop swearing on on set right right because <laughs> he's 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 come off good Goodfell right? he's coming yeah we'll talk about goodfellas comes up later but it like he's just coming off that movie and just the back-to-back -back of that is incredible right. but yeah i mean it's it's the attempt to robbery i'd say my and we probably should have gotten together before this and be like hey this is going to be number one let's just pick our favorite bit from it but right. i i I think my my favorite is probably Marv in the basement. 
and just oh yeah the iron and the nail all that stuff yeah just repeatedly and just that that comedic the physical comedy of those two is just chef's kiss incredible they yeah, they are yeah absolutely they're they absolutely hilarious unfortunately i mean that's yeah we've talked about what we like there and unfortunately with the good comes the bad with the light comes the dark let's discuss our least favorite aspects of the film derek what's your least favorite part of home alone all right. I actually spent uh, a solid 10 to 15 minutes yeah. really trying to figure out what I thought was the worst part of this movie. I know sometimes I have cop-outs and I think they're cop-outs. I think this is definitely a cop-out answer because okay. I couldn't, I just couldn't figure it out. I would say it's not really a problem within the movie. I would say the movie itself. And again, this could be taken as a negative or maybe just a funny positive, but this is a kind of a, a timepiece in a way where like you really can't make this movie nowadays because yeah. If, you know, cell phones. If if it'll be over if, if Kevin, they're remaking it. Cell phone, yeah, that's Kevin has a cell phone. They would if they're remaking it. I they need other aspects to it because I feel like this could this whole thing could be solved with a cell phone in less than ninety seconds. It's to me, it's going to be. I mean, the only way to explain that away is like because they do have to explain why the phones are out in this one, but it right. could easily be like the parents took Kevin's phone, or with yeah, you know, they took Kevin's bag to France with them, or they're in a dead zone it, they'll, they'll find a way to, to explain it away just as a movie contrivance but yeah you're right this in today's world and not only the the technology but also the this is the way society is if anyone says like there's a child in danger you can't imagine that scene with with the cops happening today you can't imagine sergeant balzac being like oh a kid may be in danger whatever not that not that uh, kate does a great job of explaining what's going on you can't say, you want like, us to go like, to your house. She was like, my son's home alone. Go sit and just check it. What, like, it's like, right, slow down. You need to be like, hey, listen, we're on vacation. My son is eight years old, which is not mentioned in that. As far as they know, they could be looking for a teenager. But even today, like if, if we had a, you know, there's a whiff of like, there's a child in danger, there'd be a SWAT team at that house. He's eight. When I was eight, I'm pretty sure I was in like the third grade. Yeah. And I was like, I needed help with everything. Yeah. And, you know, they say in the beginning of the movie, his cousins or, or sister was like, Kevin's completely helpless. Like, you know, mom's going to pack your stuff, like all this stuff, like he's a help. And then like later on, he proves to everybody he is absolutely not helpless. I didn't go food shopping for myself until I was 23. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I couldn't, I could not have handled it. Here's my least favorite thing. Why are we letting Uncle Frank be around children? <laughs> he, sh he should not be allowed around kids. He needs to be in jail. The man is a menace. He's a thief. He's an asshole. He, like, wh what's going on with Uncle Frank? He is a fiend. He is a pretty bad, yeah. I mean, he, he wants to steal the crystal glassware in the airplane. Out of an uh, airplane? What kind of scumbag? Because the thing is, he steals it. And they have to bring it back with them. He's just going to have it in France with them for right. like one one glass. He's a mess, and his kids also. I will say too. though, Uncle Frank has one of the greatest lines in the movie, where he says, "If it makes you feel any better, I forgot my reading glasses." <laughs> See, but he really means that because he's a sociopath. <laughs> right, he does mean it. He's like, my glasses are far more important than your child. Not even glasses. I don't even like them. glasses. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even need those glasses all the time, but they're clearly just as important as your missing I'm a, son. Yeah. I'm on vacation. I'm not going to be reading with all my kids, <laughs> really. Like, 
come on, Uncle Frank. He, sh- he should be in jail. It makes you feel any better. They're like, thank you for telling us that. We have yeah. to feel a little bit better now that you can't read in the strip. How many times have they had to humor this guy? Here's my, another thing, and it's, it's, a, it's kind of a popular thing to talk about online. It's like, where does Mr. McAllister make his money? Yes. Yeah, because he's got, that house is ridiculous. Yep. And they have, like, they're going to visit their other brother in France. Right. So he and he's like living in Paris with in a, an apartment with the view of the Eiffel Tower enough to like con- accommodate all these people as well. Right. I think their then, father was probably like a billionaire and passed all. And then again, and then again, Frank's taking the taking the shrimp out of the fridge, giving it to everybody, and the lady's yeah. like, "Frank, that's for later." He doesn't even acknowledge her existence in that scene. Yeah, <laughs> I I really think their father was like a multimillionaire, Kevin's grandfather, and yeah. and he pass down this money so frank is just rich and he's just a scumbag well somebody i mean it's probably maybe the mom uh there's a lot of different like like models at the house like you know like like stand up like you know humanized sort of like models all over the basement and right. stuff with like yeah somebody's making mannequins making clothes or something yeah mannequins i can yeah. think of it mannequins maybe, maybe she makes like clothes which again i don't know if that would answer the question but i mean he's yeah i think you're right about that maybe maybe it's an ancestral thing that's 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 got that's got to be it because you have two brothers who are very successful and then you have uncle fredo uh who's just somehow uncle fredo. yeah somehow uh somehow just bumbled his way through life well Fre- Fre- and, and and uncle fredo didn't get the money that his brother has cuz he was stepped over clearly yeah yeah you absolutely <laughs> so and you know frank is definitely older than uh, than peter but let's uh so there's too many connections right now he's afraid oh my god this is (laughs) so we've talked about our favorite scenes we've talked about our least favorite parts of the movie let's give out some awards and uh we do this every week in the form of a bronze silver and gold medal to the individuals impacted benefited from or were in any way integral to this movie so let's start derek let's get your bronze medal all right my bronze goes to daniel stern playing marv merchants such a good, uh, I, th- I think honestly, between Home Alone and Home Alone 2, I would say this is Daniel Stern's finest work. Um, he's so well, memorable. I mean, everybody knows I'm gonna, I'm going to I'm going to disagree a little bit. I think this is fine, finest movie work. You know he's the narrator in The Wonder Years. Yeah, that's fine. But nobody yeah. remembers from, unless you know come that. On. Then you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't, you know. Me and you, we love movies. Other people who just watch movies and shows randomly, they're not necessarily going to let us him. Uh, but I just feel like, um, yeah, he does great work on that. But I just, he's so memorable in, in, in his role, uh, you know, this role. He's funny. And he's just, he does everything right. He gets my bronze. And I, I think originally, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I guess Robert De Niro was going to be Marv originally. Uh, that would have been interesting. So De Niro was going to be Marv and Pesci was still going to be Harry? Yeah, so that was the deal. And then I don't remember what happened, but I, I think I'm kind of glad that the, it went the way it went. I think it actually visually works better that like stern is so like tall and lanky and pesci is just pesci that they you know it's 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 visually funny although it would be hysterical to see de niro doing physical comedy in 1990 and i don't know if i buy de niro being like the dumb one of the of the duo yeah wouldn't work so (laughs) wouldn't be strange so my bronze uh, i'm giving that to john williams and uh the the score in the movie is just incredible somewhere in my memory is like does get rotation when I play some Christmas songs during the Christmas season. 
mm-hmm. and he wrote that for this movie. And it's it's a, you know, he's he's the greatest film composer to ever live, in my opinion. Ever live? Uh, no, that's I don't even honestly. That's one of the things where, yeah, it's an opinion, but it, for me, in my brain, it's a fact. Like, I don't even think yeah. anybody comes close to how many great things he's done right. in movies. And you don't even talk about this, despite how great that, especially that opening theme. Yeah, with the with the house coming oh, in, amazing, it's, amazing. It's, yeah, it's so great, and it's just it's just one more jewel in the crown of the greatest film composer ever. Dude, I, I listened to the soundtrack of Hook all morning. That just goes to show oh, you God. how much I love John yeah. Williams. And that's like, is is that in his? And I'm not saying it's bad. Is that in his top ten scores? Maybe. Uh, in my not. opinion, I, I I think it's John Williams. I uh, my personal thing, I think it's his finest score. This Hook, the whole all the, all the songs in Hook are my favorites by him. But I have to, I'd have to go through and, and check and be I wanna, specific. But I want to just me. say, not only the score, and this I know this is moving sort of on a bit, is I don't know if this is because this would have happened anyway, or it's just because I grew up so much on this movie, is every version of Christmas song that is in this movie is my favorite version of that Christmas song. That's cool. That's cool. Right? So like that that white Christmas, that boop, boop. Boop, yeah, boop, yeah, like that's my favorite White Christmas, and I was like, "Is that because of Home Alone, or is it the other way around?" But I, you yeah, know, what's just... funny. Speaking of that, I remember watching the movie The Santa Claus, and it's the scene where the you know he's trying to make a turkey for him and his son on Christmas Eve, and he burns it, and that song starts playing. And I remember specifically watching it with my dad. My dad was like upset, and he was like, "Ah, come on, they should use another song. Like, oh, this is the song from Home Alone. Yeah, like yeah. choose your own songs. You know what I mean? And I've, that always stayed with me. Like, come on, like there's so many to choose from. You could have went with another one. Yeah. So funny. But right, yeah, so, I agree with you. So who you get for silver? My silver goes to Macaulay Culkin. Okay. Uh, I think Macaulay Culkin. Uh, this uh, between this one and the, and the sequel, I, I think that. Uh, I don't know if he's the fu- if he's the best child actor ever. I don't know. I don't know where he stands there. All I know is that he's a very smart actor, especially for his age. Um, and you believe him. You believe everything he does. Yeah. He's not like, oh, what's my line? And he just he just knows what he's doing, and it's very genuine. And I feel like, how do you find a kid like that? He's that, kind of one in a million. That Culkin family is so talented. Yeah, insanely talented. I mean, even uh, so, uh, like I said before, I'm a huge fan of Karen Culkin. I love his work, especially in the, in the Rory HBO Culkin's show. Rory Culkin's in Signs as well. So like that whole. Well, Rory Culkin, Rory Culkin just did a movie about the uh, black, the Norwegian black metal band. Uh, God, I can't think of it right now. The famous one where everybody kill, everybody dies. Uh, what was <laughs> uh, Ver, Ver, Verg Vikernes or something like that? Well, yeah, May- uh, yeah. Mayhem, Mayhem's the band. Rory Culkin. Bark Vikernes, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's incredible they, in it. They are. Such a talented family. I feel like they don't get enough credit for it. But I have I you seen Succession? That is very soon coming up on my list of things to watch. Oh man, Karen Culkin, he is that entire show, in my opinion. That's yeah. how good he is in that. But um, yeah, Macaulay, he's he's the man. I mean, he's one in a million kids. Uh, he's just so good. It's it's hard to not give him the gold because he's so good. Yeah. Um, there it is, silver yeah. for him. So I have for, for my silver, because I couldn't separate these two, is Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. Yep. The Wet Bandits. Yep. Like, as a kid, these were, I mean, before, like, Jim Carrey broke huge, these were the funniest two people on the earth to me. Yep. <laughs> and, like, to the point where I saw Joe Pesci in dramas later, I was like, what? No, he's a comedian. Like, <laughs> he's a, he is, like, the Three Stooges. He's a physical comedian. And... Yeah, and and it, they're they're just so great. We've talked about both of them pretty pretty much. 
a, a lot uh, throughout this uh, throughout this podcast, but they really, I think, steal the show. Uh, who, who's getting yeah. your gold? So my gold actually goes to Joe Pesci. Sure. Um, and and you know, it's one of those things where I, I'm pretty sure Home Alone was probably the first thing I'd, I'd ever seen Joe Pesci in. I, yeah. I, I think it makes sense to me. But later on, as I got into movies, I got much more into serious films like Goodfellas and Casino and Raging yeah. Bull and all these movies that Joe Pesci was in. And then I saw Home Alone again. It was like, you know, I've always loved Home Alone, but I, I, I then again watched it and saw my cousin Vinny and I was like, wow, yeah. Joe Pesci really is an all around very talented actor. And I found out that he used to sing. That was his original profession is he wanted to be a singer. Did and I found it discover a version, the four season or something like he that. Actually, yeah. He like, he like, he basically brought all of them together and they formed the band because of Joe Pesci, Crazy. which is really cool. He actually has a version on YouTube of got to get you into my life by the Beatles. And it's actually not bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, you know that. what? After, after, after COVID, let's go see a Joe Pesci concert to do that. Put Pesci um, on tour. Yeah. Pesci's, um, Pre- he gets my goal. Pesci on I, tour I, presented by Pepsi. Yeah, he's 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 the smart one of the of the duo, the Wet Bandits. He's the the, the plan maker. He's he's bossy. He's uh, that's he's the just, silver tuna. Also, also, I will I will say this: he has a soft spot in my heart, the character, because when my sister and I were younger, we used to perform plays for my parents, and we <laughs> my dad would have a camcorder out, and he would leave it on the couch, and me and my sister once did Home Alone, and I was Harry, and she was Marv because I was really <laughs> short back then. She's got five years on me back then still do still does but she was taller than me and i was harry and i the whole video home movie is me in the kitchen just slipping on the kitchen floor and <laughs> pretending things are falling on me and every time and keep in mind I, i'm a big movie guy i'm a theater guy i i like doing impressions of people when when i watch that movie and i watched that i watched home alone and the wizard of oz about a million times each when i was little and i knew every sound of that movie every noise and every scene so when my sister playing Marv didn't make the right sound out of her mouth saying a line, I would call out on it and yell at her. Wow. I'm like, Marv does not say that. He does not say it like that. He says it like this. So yeah. So Harry has a soft spot in my heart. Joe Pesci gets my gold. All right. So my gold, I had to give it to Macaulay Culkin. He legitimately as an eight-year-old or you know, however old he was in real life at this point, he's like one of the biggest stars on the planet. We're probably never going to be able to give a gold medal to Macaulay Culkin again, maybe when we do Tom Alone 2. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Or The Good Son. Or, or The Good Son. Or, or, or I guess maybe My Girl as well. We'll see. But yeah, no, I mean, this is his this is his biggest movie. And he's he's great in it. He is... He really sells like the annoying little piece of shit at the beginning of the movie. And then he becomes you know, more and more likable as it goes on. Uh, although, I, you know what, yeah. I, I think I think yeah I think yeah he is a little piece of shit, but I do feel like his family shits in him as well too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Buzz is a fucking menace. Buzz is is gonna grow up to be Uncle Frank Part Two. Like he's just he's just an absolute scumbag. It's a it's a family of assholes, not all of them, but some of them. And but do Kevin is he, like a petulant little shit. He does like spill everything is, on everybody. But like, do you think that like he deserves to be sent to the attic? That's like not that eight. bad. He was alone. What's he gonna? Yeah, but yeah, but still, it's scary. He's eight years old. Go sleep in the attic. He's, he's not afraid of the attic, though. He's not afraid of the attic. The attic is like he half he finished. He said he was. He said it's scary. He, he was there. lying. He was fucking and lying. He's like, Don't he, worry, he just didn't want to get pissed on. Yeah, he didn't exactly. want to get peed on because as soon as like Fuller was out of the picture, he was like, "All right, see you later." Right. I mean, that's true. I, I don't know. I think it's 
But yeah, I think the consensus would be he's a little shit and his family kind of sucks too. I mean, his, I like his parents. His parents, are, I feel like, are good parents, despite the fact they left. Well, his, his dad doesn't get upset that often, so he's kind of a cool guy. His dad's, oh yeah, his dad's super chill. His mom is, is kind of hard, high maintenance, but she's, uh, she's, she ends up being cool. And obviously they have a huge connection throughout the, the rest of the series. So that's, we've given out the medals here. Let us know what you think. Do we miss anybody? I really have to give an honorable mention here to Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, uh, oh, for sure. You know, because we, we haven't talked about her a lot. And she's so good in this. And mm-hmm. she doesn't get the flashy stuff, really. I love her stuff with John Candy. Yes. And John, John yes. Candy's another one who's like, oh, if he were in the movie more, then, then he might meddle. Because he's just coming in and you know he's pinch hitting and he hits a triple and drives in three runs. And like, that's... <laughs> Absolutely. Kenosha kickers. Yeah. Kenosha kickers. Polka polka. Maybe. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, very, very, very big in Sheboygan. Huge in Sheboygan. Yeah. Uh, in Chicago. No, no, no. Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Uh, but yeah, Catherine Harris is so great in this and she does not get the, the comedy scenes really. She does have maybe like the Kevin. I mean, she, she's not quite a Karen yet. She does become one in home alone too with that haircut. Yeah, that's that's true. So we've we've gone over our our medals, and now we're going to take a look at any role that we might recast in this movie. Derek, do you have any uh, any recasted roles? You know, this might be the first one that I can really think of that it's just it's just every role was perfect. Every 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 actor in there was was really really good to me. Um, even the small parts, even like the the Pizza Nero guy. Uh, Everybody fit the roles really, really well. Uncle Frank was a jerk. Uh, the, the parents were cast good. Harry and Marv were brilliant. Macaulay Culkin can't get any better than that as a kid. That's pretty much it. I mean, maybe you could have put, you could have thrown a cameo in as the Santa Claus at the end with the Tic Tacs. That could have been fun if it was somebody that we knew, you know. But other than that, I think it was. Uh, I think I think it's a hundred percent for me. I've got one, and it is kind of cheating. I don't. Well, not cheating, but. The guy who plays Uncle Frank, he does a great job as a scumbag, Jerry Bauman, B-A-M-M-A-N. But I think if you maybe take John Candy and have him play Uncle Frank, he becomes more of like a buffoon than a fucking predator. (laughs) (laughs) And kind of puts a different spin on it. You could find another comedian to play John Candy's role, I feel like. And and you get a few, uh, you know, Uncle Buck reunions if we have... uh, we have Macaulay Culkin and uh, and John Candy share scenes together. That's true. That's true. You keep, I mean, maybe uh, if we have to replace John Candy's character, then maybe uh, somebody in the lines of like, I mean, of course, if John Belushi was alive, I'd pick him. But maybe Jim Belushi or somebody like that would be good. Jim Belushi, actually, that that would fit. Just a super Chicago. <laughs> he can, yeah, I'll I, say Jim Belushi. Jim, Jim Belushi looks like he does play uh, brass and a polka band. So <laughs> Jim Belushi would come in and be like, it has to be a blues band though. And we'd lose the polka. Thing. <laughs> right. Right. Too cool, I'm cool, too cool to be in a polka band. Right. Right. So, okay. So moving on, we hear at the greatest movie of all time. We do recognize that not every movie can be the greatest movie of all time. Only one can. I mean, we know this, but we do contend that every movie can lay claim to doing at least one thing better than any other. So Derek, what does Home Alone do better than any other movie? I'm going to go on the limb here and I, and I might be uh, I might change my mind later depending on what we watch, but as of this moment I feel like this movie 
does the best child acting uh, I've seen. Uh, Macaulay Culkin is, is the is the answer to your question. Um, I think that um, I've never really seen an eight year old pull off what he could um, in any of the movie in history that I've seen. I feel like he is the ultimate. He deserves Macaulay Culkin deserves to be the, the the most popular child actor maybe of all time. Like you said earlier, early nineties. What are we talking about here? We're talking three names: Michael Jordan, Madonna, and Macaulay Culkin, as far as fame. Yeah. Uh, and he is like all oh, eating at McDonald's, he, drinking a Coke. It's the most right, early nineties. Exactly. He, he deserves it. I mean, he, they, that's what this movie does better than any other movie is that they give you a very good child actor's performance. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I could put him in with the child actors and like dramas and maybe more serious performances, but in a comedy, I am 100% with you there. I can't think of a, yes. a better child actor in a comedy. I'm going to go ahead and say, and with apologies to Tim Allen, this is the best Christmas movie of the 90s. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking of that too, but I didn't think of the decade. I was thinking about the greatest Christmas movie of all time, and then I couldn't, I couldn't, give, it the, I couldn't give it that role, that, you know. I, I, so, might even yeah, say, I might even say greatest Christmas movie of my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think wait, what would have come after. The only competition to me, the only Christmas movie competition it has is – uh, like Nightmare Before Christmas, and I would say this is—I put this over that. You know, I can't even—you know—I've seen—I've seen the movie several times. Um, I don't—I don't every Christmas season. I don't go. Oh, that—that's one we got to watch. I don't do that. I don't know why. It doesn't seem for a Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, it doesn't seem like for me like it's it's a it's a Christmas classic. For me, it's more of an animated fun classic. I don't necessarily think See, a Christmas. I think so it often. is a Christmas movie. I really do. It, right. it's, it is on my my yearly watch. I'm trying to think of stuff, other movies that have come out. Great Christmas movies in, in my lifetime. Elf we mentioned earlier is really good. I right. I, 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 even this the the first Santa Claus it may, it may not be the the best movie in the world, but it, I think it's a fun movie to watch uh, for the Christmas season. It, it's one of like the top you know, five that I'd watch in December. Yeah. Technically Scrooge came out while I was alive, which is, which is really mm-hmm. good before this, a couple of years before this, right. which is really good. But yeah, I'd say, I'd say home alone. Yeah. I'm probably forgetting something. So again, reach out to us on social media and let us know what's uh, what's the, your favorite Christmas movie since 1988, the year I was born. I, I will throw in one more and sure. I might get laughed at by the masses. There's always a few movies that are your guilty pleasures, and one of them, and I will say this out loud. If you say Jingle All the Way. <laughs> Jingle, actually, I'm glad you thought of that. Yeah. That is one of my movies that I'd watch in December because I think yeah. it's hilarious. It's a Sinbad, primarily. But uh, there are a few guilty pleasures that I have, uh, one being Wild Wild West, even though it was absolutely panned by everybody. I do like watching that movie, and I will say that I do like watching Fred Claus with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. I've seen it about a solid six, seven times, and I like it every, more and more when I see it. All right, he's Santa awesome. Claus's brother, and he's a he, he's it's yeah, just a stupid the, movie. Yeah, no, I know, I know the, the the plot of it, but I, yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm trying to think. There's nothing really. I'm I'm sure it'll I'm sure three hours from now it's coming to me. Oh, I forgot this one. But for now, I'm going to say right greatest Christmas movie that has been made while I am alive. So okay. we've talked about what we think of the movie, but every year the Hollywood bigwigs get together and they decide what they think the greatest movies of the year is and in multiple categories. And this one did get one nomination. It got a nomination for best score. And not yet deserves it. I would say it did not win. Uh, The winner that year was dances with wolves. This was the dances with wolves year. 
the other cat the other nominees in that category were Avalon, uh, Ghost, and Havana. So I'd say I'd put Home Alone on top there. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Let's go over the, the categories here, the major categories, and let's see if yeah, if we want to throw Home Alone in there. So Best Picture's interesting. Dances with Wolves wins. Mm-hmm. Should not have. It it that's it's upsetting because the what should have won, I think, is Goodfellas. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I don't even do Kitty the movies. Goodfellas should have won. Right. But Godfather Three was also nominated. Yep. And I think that may have kind of siphoned off a little bit of some some votes there. I think yeah, you have two mob movies nominated in one year. Uh, right. The uh, other nominees were were Ghost and Awakenings. Wow, actually, holy, holy moly. Um, yeah. I, I actually, sad to say, I have never seen Ghost, I've, uh, but I have. It's fine. Awakening, Aw- Awakenings is a movie that I watch every four or five years. I'm a big Robin Williams fan, and I'm obviously a huge, huge De Niro fan, so that movie is close to my heart. But that's a, that's a, good, that's a good list. It's, it's a good year. The wrong movie won. Right. So, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'd put Home Alone in there. I mean, is Ghost, have you seen Ghost? Is that? It's it's to be there. It's fine. It's it's got some really good performances. I and I know where I rail against you know genre bias in in the Oscars, but I just I don't know. I I don't think we can. Ghost is, has that you know iconic scene. I I would keep Ghost in there. I don't know if we could put Home Alone in there. I just don't know what? that it has that. There's I mean, no there's no category at this point for like you know comedy musical. No. No, I so, mean that's that's think, more the, like the Golden Globes, right? Right. Which, if we were talking about the Golden Globes, then we'd be the only ones. But the, uh, <laughs> I mean, I definitely one of the best comedies of the year. So, best director, Kevin Costner wins for Dances with Wolves, which absolutely cleaned up. Coppola for Godfather Three, Scorsese for Goodfellas, Goodfellas, Stephen Frears for The Grifters, and I'm going to say this name is Barbette Schroeder. And he was nominated for Reversal of Fortune. Hmm. Don't know the last two movies. Yeah. Again, I don't know that the direction is super strong in this. Yeah, I mean Chris Columbus. It's it's he did a great job, but I mean you're going up, you're going up, going up against Titans here. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, leave, I leave it out of that category personally. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this movie, I, I recognize the. It doesn't necessarily rise to the, the level of being a great film, you know. Similar to similar to Rocky Horror last week, it it, it kind of has different. Different goals than than some of these. Other yeah, movies, that's know? a good way to put it for sure. Yeah, yeah different goal, different field. It's it's fun. It's a fun movie. Yeah. So best actor, Jeremy Irons for In Reversal of Fortune, Kevin Costner, Dances with Wolves, De Niro in Awakenings, Gerard Depardieu in Cyrano de Bergerac, and Richard Harris in The Field. I mean, that's I'm surprised a, Costner didn't take this one. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy, up, Jeremy, so. that's a great list of five actors. They're not certainly my favorite roles by them. Right, but they're they're all they're all really good. I mean, we talked about Jeremy Irons a little bit in our Lion King episode, but yeah, yeah I, mean, we I have... don't. I, I I mean, for me, just from the things I've seen, 
I would give De Niro the the award just for the the time he put into Awakenings. Yeah, um, I, I I wouldn't necessarily. I haven't seen Reversal of Fortune, so. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't know for yeah. I mean, to to get back to Home Alone, I don't think we're putting Macaulay Culkin in here. Right. He's super charming and he's a great child actor, but I I, I don't think he's he's a best actor material in this. Right, I agree. So there's no best actress, but it's it's a fun year for that. Kathy Bates wins for Misery. <laughs> beats Meryl Streep and and yeah, whenever you beat Meryl Streep in the Oscars, that's that's good. So yeah, best sure. su- best supporting actor. Well, I know who takes it that year. Yep, that would be our good friend Joe Pesci, but for Goodfellas. Of course. Uh, other nominees: Bruce Davison in Longtime Companion, Andy Garcia in Godfather Part Three, Graham Greene in Dances with Wolves, and Al Pacino in, of all things, Dick Tracy. Yeah, I was going to mention because I, I was thinking about Dick Tracy. I couldn't tell if it was '89 or '90 because Kathy Bates was in Misery with James Caan, and James Caan was also in Dick Tracy. So busy year for a lot of those actors. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, uh, you know it's funny. Joe Pesci won the Best Supporting Actor. I'm surprised Ray Liotta wasn't wasn't nominated for a Best Actor because. Uh, yeah, I mean we'll definitely do a Goodfellas episode at some point, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a long talk about Best Actor in that one and Best Supporting Actor as well. You know it's it's yeah. So well, who, who did Pesci beat out? Well, we went over this. So Bruce Davison, Andy Garcia, Graham Greene, and Al Pacino. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Andy Garcia. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, he deserves it. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I, you know, it's, I was inter- say it's interesting. Or, you know, I think you know. Now that we're looking, it didn't even occur to me. I feel like Pacino is far and away the best part of Godfather Three, and I feel like he should have been nominated for Best Actor. Not this is a good. Yeah, I don't know what the, what that situation was because yeah, I mean. Was he not? Oh, he was nominated for Dick Tracy. That's right, Dick Tracy. Yeah. So he, should, I mean, I, yeah, he would have been lead actor if if Andy Garcia isn't supporting Pacino's lead actor. Considering it was like, you know, ultimately the Godfather Part Three parentheses, you know, the you know, the spoiler Michael, alert, the, the death of Michael Corleone. It's it's really his film. Yeah, I agree with you. you I am I am really actor. interested. You've heard about that recut that's coming out of Godfather Three at, at titled the death of Michael Corleone. Yeah, yeah, and, and I know that's what, what uh, Coppola originally was going to call the movie, it, it mainly because Pacino wanted more money, and he was like, if you want more money, I'm calling the movie this. So yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you off and bring back Tom Hagen. So that, my, oh, yeah, but... I mean, let, let's face it, let's face it, we're not going on to a Godfather 3 tangent, but the, the, the missing ingredient to that movie was Tom Hagen. And also getting anyone else to play the daughter. Oh, Sophia, I mean, that Sophia is, Coppola, yeah. very good director, not a great actress, especially at that point. I mean, this this will be a discussion on our Godfather three episode, which I feel like Rick, now we have I, to do. You and I already, you and I already have a lot of that information written out. Especially the worst part of that movie, we're already good to go. Yeah, yeah, but I, I feel like this. I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like we have to do a Godfather three episode coming up soon because this is just incredibly interesting. We're gonna skip but, the other ones and go to but three. But like, do we do we think that if if Winona Ryder plays that role, then is it like considered a great movie, where it's just considered like an okay movie right now? I mean, she's she's not she's not like a uh, you know she's not like the one of the best female actresses. She's she's I mean she's pretty mediocre if you ask me. She she gets but by. even she's mediocre not, even mediocre in that role. 
I, I don't know. I still, I still feel like she plays, plays the role very similar of like dad. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I think right. well, that, no discussion what, for another she, episode. Yeah, she's Dis- going to be better than her, but I don't know. Discussion for another episode. God, this, this, right. So, best uh, best supporting actress that year. The winner is Whoopi Goldberg for Ghost. In Ghost. Yeah. Other nominees: Annette Benning and the Grifters, Lorraine Bracco, Goodfellas, Diane Ladd and Wild at Heart, and Mary McDonnell and Dances with Wolves. I really. It was which was Catherine O'Hara in this movie enough to be best supporting actress? That's the big question. By the way, best supporting. Do we have anyone that we throw in there? I don't want to nominate Pesci twice. Right, and that was my thing at first. I, I had forgotten for yeah. a split second that it was Goodfellas year, but if, yeah, yeah. If, if Pesci wasn't nominated for Goodfellas, I'd probably make the case for him here. Daniel but Stern. I, I mean, does he deserve a spot in there? There's like not much to that performance, though. It's just all comedy. There's not. He's so great at it. But I don't know that there's like the range. Pesci has more range in this. He does the comedy. He does kind of menacing, and he right. does you know he's he does you know sort of the cop bit at the beginning. He he shows off a little bit more than than right, Stern does. Right. Stern's physical comedy is like a plus number one. Yeah. So and and arguably gets better in Home Alone too. Oh yeah, that's. Home Alone 2 is going to be an interesting episode. Like I said, I think I've said on the past episode, we're not going to do that episode until the end of the Trump administration, which is coming very soon. So maybe next year, Home Alone 2. So I don't know. I mean, Catherine Harris is so great in this. Does she have... I'm going to we... go ahead and just... My personal opinion, I'm going to say no. Yeah. She's not in and, in and enough to be Best Supporting Actress, but I can see where you're coming from. The interesting thing about this movie is that it really is like two different movies Frankenstein together. Like never, like other than Kevin and like that one scene briefly with Pesci at the beginning where he's basically playing a different character. Right. They, like they do not intersect at all. And like there, there's literally like a drama about someone trying to like get their kid back while they screw things up. And also like the, the thieves, the wet bandits. So, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, it, it does feel like, especially when Joe Pesci's introduced, you're like, oh, who's this guy? And then later on, you're like, oh, that's the same guy. It, it is kind of weird. Like you said, it's almost like a separate movie. Yeah. So the only other category I can think of is, can we, can we make a case for a screenplay? Because oh. there's, because this would be, what the, you know the category that would eventually be best original screenplay ghost wins it i've not seen any of the other four nominees right there's a movie called alice woody allen was nominated avalon barry levinson green card peter weir uh, and metropolitan wit stillman i've never seen any of those other four and you know what I think the script in this is very good. I think it's I think it's really funny. I think there's a lot of anti-comedy bias where comedies don't necessarily get nominated unless, you know, it is a Woody Allen movie. But I think we can we can sort of make a case there. What about you? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I I I'd squeeze it in there if there's, you know, I mean, it it's honestly for me, I remember watching the uh I think there was like a Netflix thing about about Home Alone and how it was pieced together and how it almost didn't happen because of this, 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 and this. 
So yeah. just for all the trouble they went through, and, I think that maybe it deserves it. Yeah, and you know what? Let's let's get an Oscar nomination for for our 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 guy there, John Hughes, because has he ever even been nominated for an Oscar? Oh, that's a good question. Let me take a look. You got to think, because he is—he's so, made so many iconic movies. He got like a Lifetime Achievement Award, like a tribute. Never nominated for an Oscar was John John Hughes, and that's a goddamn crime. Yeah, I'd say so. So let's randomly take out one of these nominees. And let's let's put in John Hughes because John Hughes deserves a nomination. God damn it! So, Whit Stillman. Sorry, sorry to say, your uh, 1990 romantic comedy about uh, the lives of a group of wealthy young socialites during debutante season in Manhattan. You are out, and we have a nomination for John Hughes and for Home Alone. Excellent. So anyway, we went a little bit off the rails in the Oscar category, but I had some fun with it. Now we come to the most important part of the show. Least. The Oh, by far the most important part of the show. And this is where you, Derek, convince us that Godfather 3, excuse me, Home Alone, <laughs> <laughs> is the greatest movie of all time. I'm going to count you down and give you 30 seconds to tell the people why it's the greatest. Are you as ready as you're going to be? Uh, I guess. All right. Three, two, one, go. What do you do when your child is by themselves? What's going to happen? Is it going to be criminals coming to the house, stealing stuff, or trying to take the child? Or what if you're that kid? Just think about it. Well, you don't have to think about it anymore because it's all in this movie with Macaulay Culkin, the most popular child actor of all time, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara, all-star cast of people. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you laugh. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to have great music, and it's going to have Christmas spirit. This is the movie for you this holiday season. Home Alone. Dime. John Hughes. Nice. There you go. There you go. So, is Home Alone the greatest movie of all time? Let us know. Right. Please check us, us out on social media. We would love to hear from you or about any of the movies that we've talked about on the show. So, you know, let it, let us know what you think. So that, uh, that does it for this week, our, our deep dive into Home Alone. We hope you enjoyed it. Let's turn our attention to next week. And Derek, next week we have chosen a movie that you have never seen. That's true. We are going to see and watch and uh, talk about It's a Wonderful Life. That's right. Frank Capra's Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life a movie that I have, uh, I dearly love and I have been mocked for loving so much. So we're going to talk about it next week. It's going to be really fun now. And yep. And uh, like we said, find us on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at great movie cast, Twitter and Gmail greatest movie pod at gmail.com. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, Derek Smythe. Keep the change, you filthy animals. <laughs>